So uh, today we're starting a new series, Secrets of the Kingdom. And today is part one, a parable of hearts. And for the next three weeks, we're going to be in Matthew 13. And Jesus sets out a time of teaching where he covers seven parables that are secrets of his kingdom. So we're going to look at the first one today. I recently read the story about a customs officer um, who had been observing a truck that was coming to his checkpoint kind of on a weekly basis. And he was kind of skeptical of this driver, he seemed a bit suspicious. So he asked the driver to get out, and he did a thorough search of the driver and the vehicle. He ordered the interior panels um, uh, to be removed, and, and he had the wheels removed, and he had the bumpers removed, and there was no contraband at all. Um, so he had to let the driver go through, and then, yes, I'm still so bridge kid. See, I was all out of sorts. Now back to this story. So the next week, the same driver came through the same checkpoint, and again, the truck was carefully searched. Nothing was found. This continued, and over the years, the customs official was very skeptical about this driver, and same driver came through in the truck, and, and he ordered body searches, x-rays, even sonar. Nothing was found. And week after week, finally, after years on the job, it came time for the guy to retire. And uh, on the last day of, for this customs officer, he, at his checkpoint, here comes the same driver in a truck. He said, I know you're a smuggler. You can't deny it. I just, I can't seem to figure it out. You got to tell me. And I'll tell you what, because this is my last day, I'm not going to do anything about it. Tell me, what are you smuggling? And he said, trucks. <laughs> it's easy to miss the obvious sometimes. It was easy in the first century. It was easy in Jesus' day. There Jesus was right before the crowds, day after day. And so many people just missed it. He even said who he was, and he said why he was here. He said what was going to happen. And they didn't pay attention. It's so easy to miss the obvious. It's still the same thing today. It's so easy for people to miss the obvious. And that's what our parable is about today. And let's have a look at uh, Matthew 13. I'm going to read the, the, the parable beginning in verse 1, Matthew 13. That same day, Jesus went out to the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on the rocky places 
where it did not have much soil, sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still others fell on good soil where it produced a crop 160 or 30 times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. This is sometimes called the parable of the sower, um, sometimes called the parable of the soils, and I'm going to call it a parable of hearts. The context of the parable is verses 1 and 2, and uh, if we look again at verse 1, the same day, you know, what day are we talking about? Um, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Uh, where was that? And so uh, if we follow through Matthew, we find that Jesus is probably about in Capernaum. That was kind of his headquarters on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee. He often taught there. And more than once did he go into a boat, probably Peter's boat again, and he sat down. Uh, they went out of the house and sat by the lake. So he'd been inside the house. That's where he is in Matthew chapter 12, and he's been teaching there. And in chapters 11 and 12, Jesus has been confronting the Pharisees, and they have been confronting him, and they are looking for an opportunity to catch him in some silly thing, and they have a desire to put him to death. And so they want to arrest him. That's why they're hanging out. They're looking for him to mess up. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it and while all the people stood on the shore. Oh, those were the good old days when the, when the teacher got to sit and the people had to stand until he was done. <laughs> Wouldn't that be good? I'm getting to where I feel like sitting, but... So the story is verses uh, 3 through 8. Now, by the way, in, um, what Jesus did when he went into the boat was sort of like a, an amphitheater type effect because he, he got into the boat on the lake, Sea of Galilee, and he's facing back in. And actually, Israeli scientists have gone where they're pretty sure that this took place. And they have measured the sound in that situation if you push off into the boat and you face back. And uh, you can easily hear over a hundred meters someone talking. And so Jesus maybe raised his voice a little bit, but it was a perfect place to teach to a larger crowd. The story, verses 3 through 8, verse 3, he, then he told them many things in parables, saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. Now, this was a common first uh, century uh, scene in Israel. A man with a bag or a leather pouch full of seed, and he spread it by hand. He just had to fling it carefully. And um, so this is a, a Van Gogh picture. And my wife is a fan of uh, Vincent, and we have a um, this is the sower, and there's another, another one by Van Gogh that's a sower that has a sun going down trying to get his work done before the sun goes down. And, you know, it's like we see ourselves trying to get our job done before the sun goes down on us. 
And um, so that's, that was a common picture. In fact, if you go there today, you can still find poor, under-resourced farmers sowing like that. Verse 4, as he was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path, as we saw already, and the birds came and ate it up. So in fields like that in the first century, around the field was a walking path. You walked around. But sometimes, um, depending on how large the field was, they did pass right through them, sometimes kind of dividing them, and so people could get through. And as people walked on those paths, got hard, it was dry in that area, and so um, pretty hard-packed kind of soil. Um, but, this, you know, the seeds, they, they just laid right on top, and so easy for the birds to find, and they would just come and, and eat them up. Verse 5, some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil, sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. The land of Israel has a, has a lot of rocks, and we, we got to go there many years back and, and spend about 10 days there, and it is a rocky and a dry place. They do have rainy seasons, but we didn't see any of it. Um, and so uh, it's, it's quite possible that just under the surface, there can be some pretty large rocks with just a thin layer of dirt on top. And... You know, I was raised in Iowa, and so I just grew up with, you know, the, the crop, the land is similar to here in a lot of ways. And in many places, it's just pretty fertile and easy to grow crops. And it's easy to grow grass as well. We had a home in, in uh, when we lived in Garland, Texas. And I had, as a, when we moved there, I realized that in Texas, they don't grow Kentucky bluegrass, you know, like we did back home, growing Kentucky bluegrass in Iowa. And um, so I, I studied and, and got some advice about planting grass, and I, and I learned that what people plant down there is Bermuda grass or St. Augustine. They're two different ways of planting. I didn't really like the St. Augustines as well as Bermuda, so I determined to plant Bermuda grass in my yard. Now, to do that, I had to, had to borrow a rototiller. I had no clue how hard the soil was. And I just banged away with that rototiller for hours and got a little bit of the soil loose on top. And finally, I got to the place where I'm going to plant. I planted Bermuda grass, and I started to water. I was pretty happy. I'm going to have a nice lawn, better than my neighbors and everything, because mostly I just had weeds before. And so I watered, and I waited, and it looked good for a little while. And then... It just started to die out. And I was puzzled. Why? And the weeds came back. And uh, so I waited until the next year. I wanted to do a little investigation. So I started to dig down a little bit in one of those bare places. Guess what? Underneath about an inch to two inches was a huge limestone rock. So the grass would get started, and then it would just die out. That's what happened uh, in this rocky soil. The same thing. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. 
But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they were withered because they had no root. That's what happened to me. That's what happened to this farmer. Verse 7, other seeds fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants. This is another kind of soil common in Israel, kind that where like thorny seeds can be embedded already in the soil because there are so many thorn bushes in, 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 in Israel and they grow quickly and they, and they starve out other plants because of their rapid growth and they choke new plants trying to get started. Verse 8, and still other seeds fell on the good soil where it produced a crop. A hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Wow, that's success. Good soil, very productive, multiplying a hundred times, sixty times, thirty times. This was what that farmer was hoping for. And then Jesus gives us a challenge. And he gives his audience a challenge in verse 9. Whoever has ears, let him hear. That's a huge tip-off to his audience. Whoever has ears, let him hear. There is more to the story. It's more than just a nice farming story. It has a deeper significance. This is a tip-off to the audience, not to take this at face value. It's a tip-off to create curiosity in the listener to want more. In verses 10 through 17, Jesus gives a reason for the parables. He explains why now he's, he's chosen to teach in parables. And the disciples have a question in verse 10. The disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? Now, that's a pretty good question because uh, Jesus, it seems like you would just want to make it real simple for these folks, you know. Why do you want to make it hard for them? Don't, don't tell them mysteries. Don't make them guess what you're trying to say. And so Jesus gives the explanation in verses 11 through 13. In verse 11, he, he replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom, there it is, the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. So this is a well-known parable to us. You know, parable of the sowers. Have you heard that before? Oh, yeah. You could probably tell me your version of it. Parable of the sowers. Parable of the soils. But what is really happening now is that Jesus is, is making a change. He's changing his ministry approach. Something has happened that's going to change the focus. And that happened back in chapter 11 and chapter 12 as he sparred with the religious leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees. And they accused him of being from Satan. They accused him of doing miracles that were satanically empowered. And Jesus is no longer going to be patient with them in his audience. And so Jesus is saying, 
but because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom have been given to you, not to them. There are things that have never yet been revealed. They were not revealed in the Old Testament. There are no Old Testament prophecies about these things. Now, disciples, they are given to you. Do you have an ear? Do you, do you hear what Jesus is saying? But whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them. In the immediate context, this refers to those hard-hearted religious leaders, the scribes and the Pharisees who were there to watch him have a misstep. They are antagonistic toward Jesus. They're, they're, they're already seeking to kill him. They're just looking for a way to arrest him, and they're going to just keep tracking him. So Jesus said in verse 13, this is why I speak to them in parables. And he quotes Isaiah. He says, though seeing they do not see, though hearing they do not hear or understand. Because there have been times in the history of God's people when God clearly spoke to them and God sent them prophets. And they went through religious exercises, even read the word of God out loud. But it just kind of went through, came in one ear and out the other ear. You know how that is. You know, you come to church and you hear a sermon and you think about it. And, okay, and then you just go away and forget it. Which reminds me of another story. And I, I read about three friends who went deer hunting. One was a lawyer, one was a doctor, and one was a preacher. And as they were walking along, this large buck came out in front of them. And so all three pulled their rifles, and they shot, and the deer went down easily. Who shot the deer? And they began to argue about it. And they, they walked up to the deer, and they had all fired at the exact same time. Fortunately, um, a, a warden uh, noticed them arguing and he came up to them at the deer and said what's going on here what, what happened what's the matter and so they told him that they don't know who shot the deer and so the game warden goes down to the deer and he looks at the deer very carefully and then he comes back and says it was the preacher well how do you know that it went in one ear and out the other This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. Verses 14 through 7. This has also been a fulfillment of prophecy. This change, not what it was exactly, but that there would be. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah from chapter 6, verses 9 to 10. You will ever be hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Sometimes God's people just go, go through the motions religiously without letting God's word have any 
impact or change in their lives. You will ever be hearing but never understanding. You will ever be seeing without perceiving. Why? As Isaiah says in verse 15, for us, for this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Some people just seem to develop a thick, calloused skin over their hearts, which impacts their spiritual perception. They become spiritually calloused, insensitive, and indifferent to what God wants. It makes them hard-hearted, totally out of step with God. They're not really listening for God, what he will say. They are not really looking for God, what he will do or what he has already done. Isaiah continues, otherwise they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and, and turn, and I would heal them. Jesus quotes Isaiah here that if they did search for God, they, they, they might find him. They might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn, and I would heal them, God says. If they, if they did search for God, if they did turn to God, they would repent. And then God would have to heal their hearts, but this is not going to happen because these people are just too hard-hearted. But for the disciples, it's, it's going to be different. That's a secret. But blessed are you because Blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. The disciples have Jesus right in front of them. And they want to know what he has to say. And they want to learn about what he's teaching. And they want to follow. They are committed to following him. They're not going to be perfect. They don't have it all together but they know who they need to be close to. Verse 17, But I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Jesus refers back to the Old Testament. There was Isaiah and Jeremiah there was Ezekiel and Daniel and Micah and Zechariah and Malachi, and they were all looking forward to this day. They would have loved to be in the shoes of the disciples or sandals. There were righteous people like King David, like Moses, like Abraham, who would have loved to have been there to see the Messiah, the promised one, the anointed one, to see him and to listen to what he had to say and hear him teach and to follow his leadership. In verses 18 through 23, it's our, it's our last section and we have the interpretation of the parable. So now Jesus takes the mystery out of this par parable because that's what the secrets are. It, they're, they're a mystery not yet revealed. 
The Apostle Paul revealed many different mysteries as well, never revealed before. And this is what Jesus is talking about, secrets of the kingdom. Verses 18 and 19, the packed down soil. Because that's where it was packed down because that's where people walked. Verse 18, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. So now we have an interpretation. It's not just an interpretation. It is the interpretation. It is because of the interpreter. I can make mistakes. Jesus hasn't made one yet. Don't wait for it either. Listen to what the parable of the sower means. So by the authority of Jesus, the packed down soil represents verse 19. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The packed soil represents a person who hears the message of the kingdom. The farmer represents Jesus bringing his message, the message about the kingdom. And that's what Jesus has been doing. He's announced that the kingdom of God is at hand, and in fact, he's announced that the king is at hand. The message of the... This is good news. Good news of the kingdom of God. Now, it hasn't been fully lived out yet because he hasn't died on the cross yet where the message of the gospel and the way of salvation is clarified for us. The message is about the kingdom because the soil is packed down and hardened. This person doesn't understand. And so like that hard-packed soil where the seed sits on the top and the birds came, well, there is spiritual warfare and the enemy, Satan, or his cohorts, demons, see that the message is removed snatches it away, takes it off their radar, radar, so they're not thinking about it. So they're distracted by something else. There were people in Jesus' audience who liked this, were like this, religious leaders, skeptics, scribes, Pharisees, the packed down soil represents the hardened heart. Jesus wants his followers to know this. Now, you've heard this before. He wants us to know that some people will respond to them in this way. You can expect it. Just when we present the gospel, when they presented it in the first century, there were people who had hardened hearts and they just weren't interested. Don't ever be surprised. It's not a popularity contest. People aren't going to like you sometimes if you're a Christian or you're not a Christian or if you act like a Christian or you don't act like a Christian. There are going to be times that people don't like you. That's not a motivation. In verses 20 and 21, Jesus tells us about the rocky soil. He says in verse 20, the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word at once and receives it with joy, a quick emotional response, immediate response. And, and they respond with joy. 
And I can say, frankly, that I responded like the opposite. You know, I had to think about it and think about it and think about it. And well, I'm not sure. I'm not in a hurry. I don't want to make this thing too quickly. Okay, I believe I'm saved. That's about how emotional I was. <laughs> it's not wrong to respond with joy. But there's something about this person. They, they had the ability to, to respond to the message quickly, joyfully. Verse 21, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. The problem is they seem excited at first, but they, they don't last. They don't persevere. They don't, they don't go on. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. How helpful is that? Jesus told his followers over and over, there's going to be trouble, there's going to be uh, suffering. There might even be death for the sake of the gospel. You need to know this is possible. Some people fall away. They revert to other resources for their strength. They don't last. And Jesus warned his disciples over and over. Tough times are going to come. And the rocky soil represents the shallow heart. Some initially receive the gospel with joy, but never get grounded with their faith. And they just have a shallow heart. The thorny soil is in verse 22. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. This person hears the message of the gospel, but other things divert their attention. Their worries of what they think, the worries of life. What are they going to do? What are we going to be? What are we going to have? What will people think? And then there's a deceitfulness of wealth. If only, if only I had this product, or if I only could have this car, or maybe this house, or if I could only wear these clothes, then I would be successful, then I would be happy. And what happens is, is the gospel is choked out. And the life isn't there. The thorny soil represents a divided heart. The divided heart can't love God and care for themselves at the same time. They, they can't be devoted to God when their time and energy is focused on their problems and their happiness. Finally, the good soil in verse 23 but the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. Here the gospel comes to a person who wants to know and live the truth. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. This is good soil. Takes its life from the seed. 
It's not the soil that gives the life. It's the seed that gives the life. And the soil provides the environment for the life to thrive. This person allows the gospel to put down roots. This person is devoting to hearing God's word, embracing God's word, and then putting it into practice. And, and then comes the yield. Now comes the life change, the growth in character, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the fruit of ministry, 30 times, 60 times, multiplication, 100 times. Jesus is, Jesus' life is multiplied from one life to another. That's why Jesus said, go and make disciples. That's what this is about, multiplying his life into others. Yes, it's about evangelism, but it's about life change. It's about following Jesus. The good soil represents the receptive heart. Question for us is, which one is ours? Which heart is mine? Which heart is yours? Do you have a hardened heart? Do you have a shallow heart? Do you have a divided heart? Do you have a receptive heart? This, this parable is meant as a test, to test our hearts. Now, some people, as they hear this, are always curious. What is he going to say? Which ones are Christians and which ones are not Christians? You know what? Jesus doesn't address that at all. That's not what this is about. He's not teaching the theology of salvation here, although there's quite a bit here you can uh, gather from it. There's only one option that Jesus has. The receptive heart. That's the only option that pleases him. We want to say, well, I, sometimes I worry too much. I know, some people do. Don't live there. I know that I'm wired different than everybody else in this room. It's okay, you're wired different than everybody else in this room. But we all need the receptive heart. The hardened heart is not an option for Jesus. The shallow heart is not an option for Jesus. And the divided heart is not an option for Jesus. He wants each of us to embrace his life and to follow him. To, to learn from him, to put him first, to, to seek his kingdom and his righteousness first. And he can put the other things in order. Matthew 13, 9, Jesus says, whoever has ears, let them hear. What do you hear? What is it? What is, what is God showing for you? How do you need to respond? So now we just come back to the basics. Jesus had a half-brother, a half-biological brother named James, the, the apostle James. In chapter 1, verse 21, James says, Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Now, if we need to cultivate the soil of our hearts a little bit, the way we do that is we just make sure there's nothing toxic in our lives. 
if there's something toxic that needs to be removed. You know, sin is toxic. You know, when we, when we dishonor God, it's toxic. And we just need to be humble and we need to be honest about it. And we need to confess it if we, as sin if that's true. Do, do not, verse 22, merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. This is a problem of the heart. Is there spiritual readiness in, our, in, in us? Do we have eyes that see, perceive spiritually? Do we have ears to hear? And one of the things about the Hebrew mind is when they heard the word hear, for us, hear just means vibrations on the eardrum going to our brain and determining that it's a sound. For a Jewish person to hear meant the same thing as obeying. You haven't heard it until you do it. That's what hear means. That's the concept that James has. That's the concept that Jesus had. The danger for us is to deceive ourselves. For example, to just come and hear a sermon and do nothing. Anyone, verse 23, who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. I'll bet most of you had a chance to look in the mirror this morning. Not long after you got out of bed. Maybe not all of you. Some of you should have. <laughs> and most of you made some adjustments before you came today, and that included looking in the mirror again just to make sure that you weren't at your worst. And that's what looking into the Word of God is to be like. Verse 25, whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, there it is, at hearing and doing, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. God's word is like a, a mirror that reflects back our spiritual condition when we allow it to. We can let it go in one ear and out the other, or we can just deflect it. But if we allow God's word to penetrate and ask hard questions, it can have a huge impact. When you hear and listen, then adjust your lives to follow Jesus, to follow God's heart. You and I can be blessed. This is a parable about hearts. There was a sower. He sowed his seed, and there were four different responses. Same sower, same seed, same method, different responses. Just like today, we have different responses to what God has to say. And this is a working principle of God's kingdom. It is a secret of God's kingdom. This is not what the people expected. We forget sometimes. We know this story so well. They were expecting a great, powerful human king that was going to destroy their enemies, make Rome bow down to them. A lot of, that's all the people, a lot of people wanted. 
no, this is going to be a different kind of kingdom now. Maybe later we'll do that. Yes, we will. Revelation. Not yet. The kingdom is going to have a slow, quiet start. And it's going to be about proclaiming God's word, hearing and putting it into your life and living it out and drawing people back to God. Which heart represents you? Now, be honest about this. Do you have a hard heart? You're not really serious. Do you have a shallow heart? You've had spiritual experiences, but you aren't grounded. Do you have a divided heart? You're caught up in lots of important things that don't include Jesus. Or do you have a receptive heart? The good news is, whatever situation or condition you're in today, you don't have to stay there. That's good news. For example, I know for sure I once had the hard heart. I was totally indifferent to God. I was antagonistic with God and his people. And I, and I would hear something and then, then just totally forget it. And... By the grace of God, I'm so thankful for his patience and his kindness toward me. And because many people were praying, including my, my, my wife and my, my oldest daughter and uh, their faithful walk, eventually I started to want to know more and to be curious. And then finally, thick scald me understood the gospel. Oh, that, I don't, you know, I, I have to take that by faith, won't I? Oh, yeah, that's what it's about. And that made all the difference in my life. No one has to stay where you are right now. You don't have to stay where you are today. Now, if you have a receptive heart, that is awesome. You just keep walking with Christ. But no, nobody has to stay where you are. If you're not there, be humble before God. Ask God to search your heart and to show you where you for, fall short. Just be honest with him. Um, admit to him your failures before him. I think you probably know what those are. Renew your commitment to follow Christ one day at a time. And the great thing about the body of Christ, we need each other to encourage each other, to pray for each other, to help each other. And, you know, we can have relationships where we can just be honest with each other. If you think about it, sometimes the obvious is just right in front of us. It's been there all the time, and yet we can get so distracted. You know, we have the privilege to know the king right now. We know the future. We know how things are going to turn out. We have a glimpse into the eternal, and we can be fully engaged in that. We have hope now, and it's a hope that enables us to walk each day at a time. Let's stand for prayer. Gracious Father, we just humbly... 
pause before you and we thank you uh, for the word of God that you have loved us that you've sent your son into this world that he would live before us and that his life was recorded that he would teach that he would lay down his life as a payment for our sin a ransom for our salvation and that you've made it simple that each of us can come to faith in Jesus Christ, that each of us can begin a personal relationship with you, that each of us can be saved from the penalty of our sin if, if we just trust in you. And we thank you that you've given us instructions for just to handle one day at a time and that you're going to be there for us, that you've given us the Holy Spirit to live in our lives. May we not take that for granted. Give us receptive hearts, Lord. Help us to take steps that we need to move toward you and to be able to thrive as Christ's followers. Thank you for your Son, Lord of Lords and King of Kings. May we humbly walk with him for Jesus' sake. Amen.